1: Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Cholly, bringing you the best of my Times Radio show. You can listen live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on your DAB radio, on your smart speaker or on the Times Radio app. In fact, do join us live on Bank Holiday Monday when we are playing Battle of the Bands. We've got politicians playing musical instruments and singing and you can vote along and by the end of the show, we'll have crowned the winner of our political Battle of the Bands. So do listen to that live 10 to 1 on Bank Holiday Monday. Before that, though, there's been some other votes cast. The local election results are in. Coming up on the podcast, what do they actually mean? How bad is it for Rishi Sunak? And is it good enough for Keir Starmer? That's coming up in our big thing. We'll speak to Indianite Knight and James Marriott in just a moment to get their take on it all. And we'll talk a little bit of combination as well. But on Times Radio at 10 o'clock as the polls closed, I had a very special local election night lock-in. So here's just a little flavour, if you didn't catch it, of what you missed. Welcome to the local election night it. Some people say that politics is just a game. Well, we have actually got a political game in the studio with us. It is Paul Eddington's hilarious political send-up. Okay, Sarah Jones, Labour shadow policing minister. Which non-driver was made Minister of Transport in Wilson's first government? Oh, oh this is a good
2: one. Gosh, you should know this. I do not know that. I, uh, iconic Labour woman. I don't know.
1: Barbara Castle. Barbara Castle, Barbara Castle's right. Wow, I did not
3: know that. I've learned, you've
1: something learned something new. Oh, I've got... Hang on, what's this? Four. What am I?
0: You're, You're yellow. yellow. You're the continuing Three, four.
1: STP. What pubs are we calling time shots. We're going to go live to two pubs now. Amanda, you go first.
2: Okay, you ready? Yeah.
1: Well, that is quite a big bell. Uh, right, Georgina, you've got a lot to live up to now. <laughs> that is much bigger. Northern Ireland Secretary Chris Heaton-Harris joins us. Hi, Chris. Hello, Matt. How are you? I'm... Probably better than you, aren't I? I mean, I I know what the pollsters are saying and uh, the the great professors. Pick a number between one and six. Uh, Which Labour MP is called the beast of Bolsover Uh, due to his rash behaviour in the house? Dennis Skinner. There we are. It's only days so far and it's just sort of handfuls of results coming through. Labour Game. Labour have gained Chester street east from the Conservatives. It's got Patrick English from Yuga. If extrapolated across the country, what would it mean? We're looking at sort of thousand seat losses, Conservatives. Richard, lovely to speak to you. We look forward to whatever Ed Davies orange thing knocking down a blue thing is tomorrow <laughs> we can speak to the deputy leader of the Greens, Zach Polanski the leader of the Lincolnshire independents Marianne Overton oh we were just talking about Bond. I think we can go live to Bond now Conservative P for Boxborn. Charles Walkers on the line Charles are you there
2: if we're not the house building party then I don't know what we are to be perfectly honest <laughs> Rishi Sunak
0: personally paid for ten, ten large ten pizzas. Domino's pizzas he did not pay for stuffed crusts no oh. so, did
4: he pay for dips
0: oh that's a really good question This is the
4: most important question right <laughs>
1: For legal reasons, that whole thing is a joke. Right, that was the local election night lock-in. Now, let's dive straight in. It's time for The Columnists. The Columnists with Night at the Marriott... India
5: Knight and James Marriott. I was hunched on my bedroom floor with my laptop frantically
1: bashing away at my column on Times Radio. Uh, The jingle just gets better and better. Morning, India.
3: Morning, Matt. Are you knackered?
1: No. Pumped. Full of jelly babies. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, I've only been on uh, for, what, half an hour so far. There's a long long way to go yet. Uh, Mm. James, how are you? I'm all right. Uh, registering my objection to your jingle. <laughs> your that that uh, that will be noted <laughs> uh, and placed in the file.
6: <laughs>
1: um, you, before we dive in, your overall impressions of the uh, of the election results, India. Uh,
3: my overall impressions are that it's uh, really, really very bad for the Tories, and um, there's no no chance of it becoming any better i don't think um locally we've got elections here in mid-suffolk where i live i'm really interested to see uh whether the greens manage to wrest overall control of the council they only need five seats and it's all
1: quite it's quite interesting so they could end up they could end up in control of the council
3: yeah yeah and it's a very kind of true blue Mm. and brexit voting um uh area so it's fascinating i'm really i I think the results come in sort of late afternoon i'm really interested to see what happens
1: it's interesting actually spoke to some uh the deputy leaders of the greens overnight and you know they've they they did this in brighton they they built up their sort of councillor base ended up with an mp there they seem to be doing the same thing in bristol they've got an awful lot of councillors Mm. in bristol uh and they've got high hopes of taking a seat there maybe mid (laughs) maybe mid Suffolk could be next
3: Well, it's that really interesting thing of campaigning on very, very specific things. Mm. So, you know, in this case, sewage, water quality, potholes, terrible transport, like ultra, ultra local stuff. And the fact that there's lots of new housing going up everywhere, not affordable, particularly affordable housing, more like executive village housing. um, And there isn't the infrastructure to support any of it. Mm. So, yeah, it'll be really interesting.
1: James, your sense?
5: Yeah, I mean, we knew the Tories were going to do badly. and It looks like they've done potentially even worse than than we thought. Um, I mean, obviously, these, you know, local election results don't read exactly onto, you know, general election results. But I imagine Keir Starmer, well, from what he said, he's very, very happy, as you would be.
1: Uh, in fact, let's talk about housing, because there seems to be a really interesting... Uh, sort of, As the blame game begins, and it turns out, whoever you speak to, uh, the reason they've lost is because of the thing that they were already crossed about. But uh, the question of housing is really interesting. We had the uh, Times reporting of Tory MPs uh, being cross in WhatsApp groups about building houses or not building houses. Well, that seems to have spilled out into the open. You've got uh, in Medway where the Labour Party has uh, taken control of the council from the Conservatives, the MP down there, Kelly Tolhurst, blaming uh, plans to build too many houses. Yet, overnight, uh, Tory MP Charles Walker, MP in Broxbourne, was thrilled they held on to all their seats in Broxbourne, and he said it's because they're quite good at building houses. And he says the Conservative Party, if they don't get on and build houses and get people on the property ladder, uh, then uh, they don't have a hope at the next election. Let's take a listen.
2: I think we've done well down here because we're actually not afraid to build houses. Um, we're a borough that builds houses for people to live in, for families and for, for young couples. And um, I'm a Conservative. I believe in building houses and I believe in extending opportunity.
1: Do you think Rishi Sunak believes in building houses?
2: I think he does. I, th- I think he does. Why has he, ca- um, he scrapped all the targets we, we've, for doing we, it? We, we've, we've got to make the case. We've got to make the case for building houses. Uh, if the Conservatives don't build homes for young people yeah and we go down that path i suspect we won't like what we find at the end of it and i'm afraid i'm at a different place in a different place than a number of my colleagues on this if we're not the house building party then i don't know what we are to be perfectly honest
1: Now, james we've talked about your your tri- trials and tribulations uh, the prospects of getting on onto the housing ladder you are exactly the sort of person that that, that charles is talking about
5: yeah, and housing for me is the thing that I am by far most infuriated and angry about. And I, you know, I, it's not just me. Everybody I know my age is infuriated, and I think if you have to look at the polling. There's a poll earlier this week that showed the Conservatives among um, people aged, I think, eighteen to twenty-five, on about half of what they had been even um, in the nineteen ninety-seven general election, which was obviously a Labour landslide. And I just think, I, I you know, I think the Conservatives potentially tarnish their brand among young people forever, because it's just I don't know, yeah, I mean it's terrifying to think that, you know, I mean especially I know it's, you know, especially bad in London but I'm going to be paying massive rents for my entire life and it just makes you very worried about your future, and you know the point he was making there is, you know traditionally the Conservatives are supposed to be the party of home ownership, and you know, I think as Robert Colville was saying in the Times this morning, why would anyone vote for the capitalist party if you don't have any capital, which is a kind of yeah
1: a relevant question i think but then there's some tension that you were talking about um uh india where where if there are unpopular house building plans then that does tend to affect certainly the local council if that's tory run then they stood then they panic
3: yes of course and there's um incredible nimbyism going on as well so you have affluent older tory vo- voters in the countryside. Who don't want any new housing going up anywhere near their properties? So you've got that in the mix as well. But um, but I think although younger people tend to move away from you know migrate towards cities where it's even worse, of course. But um, but yes, I think um, I think James's um, quote from Robert Colville is exactly right. What is the point of young people voting for the party of capitalism if they're never going to to accrue any capital of their own? they've, They've lost that huge swathe of voters for the foreseeable future.
1: And actually, because it takes so long with planning system and all of that, um, even if Rishi Sunak got up this morning and said, right, my single lesson I'm going to take from this is we need to build more houses. There's no time. You wouldn't have any more houses before the next election. No. Well, I mean, you have no. some, but not not the sort of numbers to uh, to change the dial on that. Um, and I suppose there's the other there's sort of two things, isn't there? India there's the the immediate impact of you know y- your people like James who who actually would quite like to own their own house, but also there's the sort of the ripple effect from that of parents, grandparents, brothers, sisters who are worried about those people who can't get on the housing ladder, and it becomes you know it's a topic of conversation over the over the Coronation Chicken.
3: Yes, absolutely. I mean, my 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 two older kids, who are uh, twenty seven and thirty, have very little hope of stopping renting um, at well at any point in the foreseeable future, really. And it is absolutely a thing, you know. And they can't believe how easy my generation had it, where you could buy a modest but very nice house for a an- not enormous amount of money. And that seems like something. It was only you know thirty odd years ago. It seems like something in the distant 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 past and it's a source of real anger i think among young people quite rightly because it's ridiculous the idea that you work really hard you work like a donkey you save what you can save and you're still nowhere near being able to afford to buy a house is is sort of lunatic
1: yeah but then if you've got toy mps today you know literally different parts of the country toy mps saying that both the lack of houses and the oversupply of houses are to blame for these results. Yeah, it, uh, uh, yeah, it was really interesting. Uh, uh, India and James, uh, we'll come back to you in just a sec. Anthony Wells from YouGov uh, um, has just tweeted saying, I think Ed Davey's campaign stunts have started to lean into the cringe. How can we ensure the broadcasters don't ignore the Lib Dems? Let's up the cringe factor. Let's make viewers so mortified with embarrassment they cannot physically bring themselves to look away. Do you think that's the way to go, Lara?
7: Yeah, although I think the idea that Ed Davey has only recently begun doing cringe is actually quite, quite generous.
1: <laughs> so to him so, so to he's say. not been knocking down blue things, he's been unveiling a big blue clock, saying time's up for Wishy Sunak.
7: Which is equally as cringe as, as the walls and whatnot. And that the blue door,
1: let's show door. Boris Johnson yeah. the door. Lara Spirit is still here, keeping across results as they're coming in. Any news, Lara?
7: None so far we're in a bit of a I'm afraid we're in a bit of a waiting game but at lunchtime we should be hearing from Stratford on Avon which is of course one of the key kind of Lib Dem targets so we're waiting with
1: that as well as kind of Labour targets like North Warwickshire. Thank you live for that. Breaking news. <laughs> We've also still got India Knight and uh, James Marriott with us. Now India Is it right that you've got the defining coronation chicken recipe? Because my producer, Andrew, is going to be making it for his coronation gathering tomorrow. What's the secret? How can we make it ourselves?
3: Well, I don't know about the defining, but um, but I wrote last week in my food column about Mm. how I did it. Do you want me to tell you? Yes, please. Okay, I'll talk really quickly. Um, you, you, You get, I don't know, four, six, eight, depending on the number of people you're feeding, chicken breasts... You poach them in boiling liquid, whether that is stock or water in which you put a couple of peppercorns and a bay leaf. You um, poach them for 15 minutes, which won't feel like enough. And you'll you'll be worried that your chicken is going to be pink and gross inside, but it won't be. Then uh, you mix equal quantities of mayonnaise and Greek yogurt. If you use just mayonnaise, personally, I find it's too sweet and claggy and overwhelming. Equal quantities of mayonnaise and Greek yogurt. Um, into which you add some Gita's mango chutney. Other mango chutneys exist, but this is the superlative mango chutney. Um, and you cut your chicken into little pieces. You mix it all about. You add some salt and pepper and some, I use curry paste rather than curry powder, because curry powder can be, feel quite gritty in, on the teeth. And then it's ready. You can put some um, chopped coriander leaves on top. Slivered almonds, if you're being very posh, and then you eat it, and it's really delicious and nicer, I think, than this rather sort of claggy sounding um, broad bean and spinach coronation
1: quiche. Yeah, I'm making a quiche later on, but I'm not going to be putting broad beans anywhere near it. Uh, James, does that, uh, were, you, were you making notes there? Were you going to be making uh, India's coronation chicken? I find myself
5: strangely tempted. I absolutely love coronation chicken. I've never thought of making it myself. But, it's yeah, so yeah. easy. No, but you just I get know, the India made it, it, it sound so simple. <laughs> India made it sound so simple.
1: Yeah.
3: It is simple. It's an assembly job, really, once you've poached
1: your chicken. Well, it's very important. Uh, and maybe then you can put it all in the Tupperware box and head down to... Other plastic packaging is available. Uh, you can head down to Westminster to prepare for accommodation and times radio's very own rosie wright is there now soaking up the atmosphere what's it like down there rosie
4: well you talk about bunting bunting's been a little bit political here on the mall uh, this morning because people have pitched up their tents or their chairs and then they're using their what should be decorative bunting as a bit of a barrier to safeguard their space
1: so hang on a minute is this is this proper sort of uh, like towels on the sun lounger down there now
4: Yes, but with bunting, the bunting equivalent. Actually, Matt, I'd love to introduce you to a, a couple of the people here who've yeah. decided to go really hardcore. So on the left side of the mall, you've got lots of tents, actually two, nearly three rows of them. On the right-hand side, uh, there's a, a trio here. Let's start with uh, Judy and Barry, who've decided to forego the tent just for a chair. So you're gonna be sleeping in this overnight?
3: We certainly are. We have brought our blankets and our umbrellas, and I've got my welly
4: boots on. Judy, you're not gonna get any sleep? No, no, I'm used to that, though. I mean, you've done this before and you've come fully ready. You've got a crown on, Union Jack glasses, tinsel uh, necklace. And uh, Barry, do you want to just talk me through your outfit?
8: Uh, Yes, I've got a shirt and tie.
4: Well, not just any ordinary shirt and tie. I mean, it's bedecked with the (laughs) Union Jack also on your hat as well. How do you keep up this, this sort of sustenance and the energy and the excitement? because they're worth it. I love to see the grandchildren. I love Charlotte and George and little Louie. They're so cute. Uh, And Matt, I got a bit sort of caught up in the drama myself actually earlier because very occasionally there's these sort of flurries of activity and the security guards make a big sound and the police convoy comes through and Prince William went past. Enjoying that with me was uh, Rachel from Cardigan, a postman who now, Rachel, you followed the official advice, which was what? Do not bring a chair. So I have got a chair, If I got everything else anybody else could want so yeah i mean i thought just a chair to stay the night was going to be bad what are you going to be sleeping on i've got a sleeping bag and i have got an emergency storm shelter so i'm sure they'll let me sit in their chair if i let them go in there to keep warm right so it's it's the floor really yeah You've done this before, so you're a bit of a, a seasoned pro. Yeah. What are the tips? Um, well you are, I won't get to sleep and I'll probably be asleep in the, tomorrow morning when it's all going on. And some of the challenges already. There's been so many photographs being taken. You're not going to have any phone battery by tomorrow when they actually come past. I'm prepared, always prepared, but a couple of battery packs. So I better not miss anything. I'll be gutted. What do you think of the atmosphere compared to other times when you've been? Is there the same sort of surge of support? Uh, Yeah, because obviously for the funeral, it's a completely different atmosphere. But yeah, you know, I just literally walked up to these people. Can I sit by you? And we haven't stopped talking since. So everybody seems really friendly and we're all here because we want to be here to enjoy the occasion. You're draped in the Welsh flag, which very much uh, firmly putting your stake in the ground for who you're here with. Just tell us, for for people who who don't get it, they think, why would you do this? What, in essence, is going to make you stay out here? It's going to get freezing later for 24 hours. It's a a once-in-a-lifetime, all the horses, the pomp, the ceremony, it's all wonderful and I love it, you know, that's why I'm here. Matt, I hope that gives you just a a little bit of a flavour. Even as I'm talking now to Rachel, Judy's already been commandeered by a photographer to get a (laughs) photograph of her and her fantastic get-up. And really, everyone's very buoyant in good moods. That might be because the sun's come out, it was raining a little bit earlier. And what will be really bitterly disappointing for the people lining the Mall is... If the rain really does come down tomorrow, that balcony moment that is much anticipated, where people at this part of the mall will just be able to see, of course, could look and feel very different, <laughs> particularly if that means we don't get the fly pass.
1: Big question is, Rosie, are you staying in a tent tonight to get the full experience?
4: <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> No-one that I've spoken to has remotely convinced me. You're not persuaded. They look, well, well, it's, the, it's this real sort of... Uh, I don't know how to describe it. You've got the, this absolute splendour of the flags and the palace. And then alongside the mall, it's very rough and ready scruffy. And yeah. I just... But <laughs> <How laughs> oh
0: oh
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. well, it's true, me, Caroline's
4: in her shorts.
1: When you're found...
4: <laughs> poster, you've <laughs> posties have got to wear shorts.
1: Rosie, when you're found bound up in Bunting at the bottom of the Thames, we ne- we've got now got about t- <laughs> 3,000 suspects. Rosie, lovely to speak to you. James, what are you doing for the, uh, the coronation?
5: Uh, nothing, nothing especially, but I will be, I will be watching. I find myself kind of weirdly fascinated by it and looking forward to it, which I'm not usually by royal events, but, you know, this is the one that I think has the most history, the most tradition, the most kind of weirdness, all the stuff about anointing with holy oils. I think I'm going to find, going to be very into this stuff.
1: It's interesting, well, speaking to some of the politicians that were going, uh, uh, they're like, oh yeah, it was nice to have your name drawn out of the hat. And then there was they're going to be there from 6am, is that right, Lama? No, like seven, no yeah,
7: seven a.m. and uh, people are quite worried about whether or not they're going to be able to go to the loo. Yeah, there's no maybe, toilets. It's all a bit confusing. You, can, you can't
1: see anything. There's no screens. <laughs> but so you, you're invited over. But your you could say you could exactly. You're going to sit there in uh, agony for hours, unable you're to see there. anything. But you're there, which is much more important uh, when it comes to your um, uh, your colleagues. Uh, right, I want to talk to you about one other thing, James. Uh, I've got some good news for you. We think we found you a girlfriend
0: yeah so this is
1: this is Taylor Swift and after some detailed analysis in the Times today we have established <laughs> the sort of man that Taylor Swift goes after a bane, Cambridge graduate funny uh from London uh it's you James you could be next yeah
5: well um I've I thought I've always thought it's only a matter of
1: time impish and I'm apparently she goes for
5: <laughs> impish but I think I can definitely do impish I don't know about a bane um and actually I'm not actually from London I just moved to London but maybe that's good enough are you a Taylor Swift fan <laughs> James? Um, yeah a very a very big Taylor Swift fan so um when we do eventually date, I will be able to be sincerely <laughs> enthusiastic about her career. I'm sure she's a James Marriott fan and that she uh, reads my columns every Thursday. So we'll have a lot in common to talk about.
1: <laughs> well, you, what, you, you, you'll both talk about you, you mean? <laughs>
5: no, I'll talk about
1: Taylor.
5: <laughs> okay. I'll talk about Taylor and she'll talk about me. It'll be perfect. What do you think? But she- James, James, don't
3: you have an existing girlfriend?
5: I do, yes, but I'm sure we can... What
3: what are we we doing? Is is she she pleased (laughs) about your future relationship with Taylor Swift?
5: Well, she'll be learning about it live on the radio now, so uh, I suspect she'll call me after this and we can can talk it through.
1: What do you think Um, would make make a better piece for the Times Saturday magazine, James? You just going out with Taylor Swift or you being in a thrupple? Um... I think the <laughs> Thrupple probably is the one the Times-Safety magazine. Yeah, that's true. Nicola Gill be all over that. You know, you have to
5: consider your reputation, don't you, as a journalist. And sometimes you've got to say no to, you know, features like that.
1: <laughs> Indianite and James Marriott there. And of course, you can read them in the Times of the Sunday Times every week. Just get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash times red box. And if you're into the coronation, make sure you pick up at copies of the Times and the Sunday Times of the weekend with massive souvenir supplements that you want to buy and put in the loft. Now, let's return then to the local election results. And I call up with podcast favourite Danny Finkelstein to ask what he made of the results.
5: Certainly since the List Trust government, even before that, is that the Tories would struggle very hard to... Uh, win the next election and that it was very possible that they'd end up with a sub- really substantially bad result and i think this vindicates that what i'd be worried about actually is is uh, in all the talk about you know have labor performed as well as they should do um is that the liberal democrats have performed very well which rather suggests basically that people are voting against the conservatives wherever they can so there's been this discussion you know is there, is there enough enthusiasm for Keir Starmer to elect him? And what this, these results may suggest is that the motivating force in British politics isn't enthusiasm for anybody, it's antipathy to the Conservatives, and that is very difficult for a
6: political party to overcome.
1: Daniel Finkelstein there, and he'll be back on the podcast on Tuesday. Right, up next, in our big thing, we try to get to the bottom of what exactly the local election results mean. That's next on the Red Box Podcast.
0: This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk.
1: You're listening to the Red Box Podcast now. It's time for this The Big Thing on Times Radio. And there's only one thing we're talking about today. It's this. Breaking news. Yeah, keeping across all of the local election results. As things stand, the Tories have lost ten councils, including Tamworth, Brentwood, Hertsmere and North West Leicestershire. That's Andrew Bridgen country. Labour have hit some of their top targets, taking Medway, Plymouth and stoke on Trent. Uh, meanwhile, the Lib Dems say that they have made groundbreaking gains after taking the part taking control in Windsor and Maidenhead. This is Rishi Sunak speaking.
2: It's always disappointing to lose hard-working Conservative councillors, their friends, their colleagues, and I'm so grateful to them for everything that they've done. In terms of the results, it's still early. We've just had a quarter of the results in. Uh, but what I am going to carry on doing
1: is delivering on the people's priorities. Keir Starmer, though, has headed straight for Medway to celebrate what a fantastic result here in medway and we're having fantastic results across the country plymouth what a night they've had
6: in plymouth and then stoke and up to middlesbrough all the places that we need to win the battlegrounds and make no mistake we are on course for a labour majority at the next general election
1: We'll talk about whether or not he is in just a moment. Uh, Ed Davey headed to Windsor and Maidenhead. No blue wall to knock down today. Is so had a big blue clock to say that it times up for Rishi Sunak? Five,
0: four, three, two, one. Hooray! Hooray! Friends, this is
1: so what does all this actually mean for the general election? Uh, Henry Zeffman, first of all, is the Times' as associate political editor. Henry, your overall sense, what do we what do we know right now and what do we not know? Uh,
8: we know that it was a very bad night for the Conservatives and we don't know quite how bad a day is going to be for the Conservatives when the rest of the councils finish their counts. Um, but look, I think... You are right that, you know, for many people in Westminster, um, myopic as that might sound, the most important thing about these local elections is working out what they mean for a general election. And I think what they tell us is that the national polls are, are broadly right, i.e., as it stands, the Conservatives are going to lose the next general election unless something changes.
1: OK, let's bring in Labour's Tulip Sadiq, a shadow Treasury Minister. Morning, Tulip. Morning. So, Keir Starmer is going to be Prime Minister?
9: Well, I certainly hope so. I mean, you've probably seen the results Plymouth, Medway, Stoke-on-Trent, even the Middlesbrough Mayor, which we really weren't expecting. So, it's been an amazing night for our hard-working councillors and mayors as well. Chris Cook, who is our Middlesbrough Mayor, he looked overwhelmed actually when it was announced, and people on the ground were messaging on our various. WhatsApp group saying that they were absolutely overwhelmed. It wasn't a result we were expecting. So, it's been amazing and the results show we're on course for a majority Labour government.
1: Um, you, you, some of those results you've picked out there. The Middlesbrough mayor you've taken from an independent. In Plymouth, uh, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's probably good for Labour that you've taken back Plymouth Council. That was the council, the Conservative Council there, chopped down all the trees. The leader of the council had to resign. Uh, and then the Tory uh, MPs in Plymouth... Uh, suggested that Labour should take over running it. This, this, is a, this is an anti-Tory vote, isn't it, rather than a pro-Keir one?
9: Look, I think what I would say is that I'm very proud of the positive campaign we've run. we focused on the issues that matter most
1: to Was voters. Was it a positive and- campaign saying that uh, Rishi Sunak didn't want to put paedophiles in prison? Was that a positive campaign?
9: Well, you know, it was talking about their record on criminal justice. Was that a positive campaign,
1: saying that Rishi Sunak didn't want to put paedophiles in prison? That was positive, was it? Well,
9: It was a criminal, it was a criminal um, record. That's what we're talking about. And, you know, I, I understand um, why you say it's an anti-Tory vote. But we spent the whole campaign talking about Labour's plan to tackle the Tory cost of living crisis. Whether you call that positive or negative, it's the number one issue for voters. The Prime Minister can't talk about it. Because the Tories crashed the economy, he doesn't know how to fix it. And he hopes we'll forget. Well, actually, we're not going to forget the fact that last year, they crashed the economy. I just heard Rishi Sunak speaking just before you came to me, and he was saying, oh, it's very hard to lose hardworking Tory councillors. I mean, I think he should accept that voters are punishing councillors because of the Tories' failure and because of his failure. He needs to accept that. And I didn't really hear that in uh, what he was saying. Obviously, I only heard a short clip. Um, but I just think it sh- shows that we're making gains. We're making the progress in the places we need to win the next election.
1: Tulip Sadiq, thanks so much for joining us, Shadow Treasury Minister. Uh, Henry Zeffman, still with us. Let's bring in uh, Robert Hayward, uh, Conservative peer and polling expert. Robert, you've been crunching the numbers. What, what can... Is Tulip Sadiq right when she says that Labour's on course for a majority government?
6: Uh, she's not for two prime reasons. <laughs> One is that we're a year and a half away from an election anyway, and lots of things can happen in a week, let alone in a year and a half. And secondly, they've, Labour have had some good results. You were highlighting why Plymouth wasn't that good a result, etc. But they've had some good results in places like Medway and Tamworth. But... At the moment, the projection is that Labour will be ahead of the Conservatives by about 8%. That is not the, on a national equivalent vote share, i.e. projecting what these results would have been if places like London and Scotland and everywhere else had also been voting on the day. That is not the margin Labour need to be certain of an election, of an election victory taken to Westminster. In 1995-96... They were clocking up national equivalent vote shares in the mid forties, with a lead of anything between fifteen and twenty five percent. And that's the thing, isn't it? Is that for, Rishi,
1: for Keir Starmer to cross the threshold of Downing Street? I mean, even actually with you know, the leader of a minority government, definitely is a majority government, he needs to make big gains, to secure a swing the size of Tony Blair in nineteen ninety seven,
6: but to end up with actually a very small majority. Yes, he does. And that's the key difficulty for them. There's no question. Labour have had a good night. The Tories have had a bad night. It looks as if the results are continuing in much the same vein today. The Lib Dems have also had a a good set of results. Uh, But as you say, I hate extrapolating through to a general election, which is a while away, but you're absolutely right. There is a very big swing necessary, and you can't be certain on the figures that we're looking at today that the Labour Party would have a a clear overall majority. One of the interesting things, and this is again a slight oversimplification,
1: but we'll do it anyway, Henry, is it appears that in some of those northern seats, northern uh, parts of England, uh, UKIP has collapsed, that hasn't benefited, because they'd, they'd stood last time around four years ago, that doesn't appear to have benefited the Reform Party, that seems to be going to Labour. So where Boris Johnson reached into those those sort of brexit northern areas, that now support seems to be going to Labour, while in the southern blue wall uh, suburban areas, uh, Remain-y, uh areas that were Conservative supporting, they now seem to be going Lib Dem. Is that an oversimplification, Henry?
8: uh probably but it's uh but you know i'm not i'm not able to get more complex than that i mean look i think i think i think that um i think what you described there um is perhaps the most worrying trend going forward from tonight for rishi sunak and for the conservatives and we've spoken loads matt me and you since 2016 really about have, the realignment.
1: Oh, i say about this in, specifically rather just
8: generally well about the about <laughs> yeah, yeah. the realignment in british politics yeah uh in uh, you know in which uh, in northern former Labour voting areas, uh, to okay. simplify it a bit, uh, you know, Brexit was a sort of conduit, a vessel through which uh, former Labour voters went perhaps via UKIP, but ultimately to the Conservatives. And uh, that more than compensated for the fact that in broadly the South, in affluent areas, the Tories lost people who used to vote for them, again, because of Brexit, uh, to uh, the Lib Dems, or in some cases to the Labour Party. What tonight looks like it looks like those sort of pro-Brexit areas uh, are done with the Conservatives or at least angry with the Conservatives for now and therefore are moving back to their traditional home, the Labour Party, but that the other group are not coming back to the Conservatives because they're still furious about Brexit. And that kind of leaves the Tories without either the David Cameron coalition that they had eight years ago, but also without the Boris Johnson coalition that they had four years ago. And I think it's hard to know where Rishi Sunak can turn uh, if that if that carries on.
1: Um, I just want to talk uh, about this. is an interesting uh, bit of news. Lib Dem gay. So it seems that there's a bit of a row brewing in the Cotswolds after the Salford Lib Dem councillor Chris Twells uh, stood as a paper candidate in the Cotswolds and has accidentally got himself elected there as well. Uh, so he's now a lib dem councillor in the Cotswolds and in Salford which i suppose is a is a good problem uh a good problem to have what do you make of the of how the lib dems do, have done uh robert hayward
6: i think i think they have done well uh, there's no question about it and picking up on henry's comments i think basically the Tories have been uh hit because of the mess of the whole of last year from which they haven't recovered and the voters have decided that they will choose a candidate, whether it's Labour or Lib Dems or Greens or Independents, that will actually defeat the Conservatives. So Henry's absolutely right. Um, at the moment, Rishi hasn't been able to pull back a clear group and establish a clear direction because people have been voting against the Conservatives and their behaviour last year.
1: It's a bad day for the Conservatives, but how bad? Let's speak to Conservative Minister Robert Halfon, who joins us now. Hi, Rob. Hi, uh, good morning. Good morning. So how bad is it?
10: Well, of course, it's been a difficult night and I want to thank all the councillors and those councillors who lost their seats last night, who work incredibly hard for the uh, Conservative Party. But it's, uh, whilst it's bad for the Conservatives, it's certainly not good enough for the Labour Party. I mean, in my own area of Harlow, for example, not only did we keep the council a Conservative um, but we also gained a seat uh, from from Labour and there have been other parts of the country that that has occurred as well. Um, so, so I think the Labour Party need to do, do a lot more. Um, but that's not to acknowledge that in a midterm government with the Covid fallout, with the cost of living challenges that we face with the war in Ukraine, and um, it's inevitable that
1: um, you know, we've had some losses. A very good job, Rob, of giving us the lines to take that we've already heard from uh, several ministers and the Prime Minister this morning. Let's talk more broadly than this. On the basis of what is happening, uh, Labour coming back in some of those northern Brexit-supporting areas, the Lib Dems making gains in Remainer, southern England. On this basis, Keir Starmer's going to be Prime Minister, isn't he? Well, I think if you, I mean, you 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 study politics
10: uh, like everybody, you look at every uh, government. There've always been midterm elections where sitting governments have done, had, uh, you know, faced considerable difficulties in, in local elections. And uh, this this time, it has been no no different. The election there is a long way to go. We've gone up in the national opinion polls. The pr- prime minister's got his priorities on. Halving inflation and growing the economy, reducing debt, cutting waiting lists, stopping the votes. those are yeah. the people's priorities. That's what the public want but us. If to they were the people's us.
1: priorities, why didn't more people vote for the Conservatives uh, last night?
10: Well, because uh, for the reasons that I've given—that there's um, cost of significant cost of living challenges, which everybody uh, is facing. A lot of people are struggling out there. We've got the fallout from COVID. Um, we're midterm. What, um, there's no government in mid-term that doesn't do, uh, you know, s- uh, face losses in local elections. It's something that has happened in the past, and it's happened uh, last night. But we've also made gains in places that weren't expected. You know, people were saying we were going in my own area that we were going to lose Harlow, that it was going to go to, going to go to let the Labour Party. And not only would we keep the council, we also gained a seat from Labour. <laughs>
1: One of the interesting uh, debates that seem to have emerged with some of your colleagues, uh, Rob Halfon, is housing. Uh, I spoke to Charles Walker overnight. He told me that the reason that they'd, uh, the Conservatives had held uh, the seats in Broxbourne were because they built houses. And he said, if the Conservative Party doesn't build houses and get people on the property market, then what are you for? Head to Medway. You've got Kelly Tolhurst, Conservative MP, there, uh, raising concerns that there was plans to build too many houses that were costing the Conservatives votes. We've heard about WhatsApp groups being alive with with MPs arguing about this. Which side of this debate are you on? Was Rishi Sunak wrong to tear up the housing targets?
10: Well, the thing is, we've built, uh, we've got record house building. We built hundreds of thousands of of houses uh, right across our country. So it's not the case that we're not building houses. I see it in my own constituency. We've got huge new housing uh, developments that have been built over the past over the past few years. We've got to do it in a way that uh, makes sure that works with local planning, uh, local planning issues. We've got to make sure that we protect our, our green belt, but we are building hundreds of thousands of houses.
1: Um, so you don't think you don't think it's an issue that you need to build more, and it's not a problem that the uh, uh, the, the prime minister tore up those targets.
10: Well, I don't believe they tore up targets. What but he um, did, the were, what, what it, the government has said is that we've got to make sure that our housing plans fit with with local plans uh, as well and our, we work those housing with the with local people's consent so i don't think there's anything wrong with that but the fact is if you look at the figures we're building hundreds of thousands of
1: extra houses uh, but the uh, last conservative manifesto set a target of three hundred thousand new homes a year by the mid 2020s um and that target's now an aspiration and you're miles away from 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 meeting it
10: well I think we've got pretty much we've uh, got record house building over the past 10 years we've built many hundreds of thousands of houses over the years um the, uh, of course there's always the need to do to do more um but these houses are being
1: built so you you don't you don't think that the Conservative party is losing particularly amongst young people because they they can't get a roof over their head you don't think that's a problem
10: no, I absolutely acknowledge that we need more houses, and, but the government's building more houses. All the government is saying is that it's got to be done in conjunction with local people and make sure that we protect our
1: green belt as well. Robert Halfon, really appreciate your time today. Education Minister, thanks very much for uh, joining us. Um, Henry Zeffman, take us inside this, this Tory row over housing. How significant is it, do you think?
8: Well, I think what's most significant about it is that you... Uh, is is that you don't have a clear sense of where the Tory party is going to fall on it. Uh, I mean, uh, our colleague Steve Swinford had a splash in the paper yesterday, I think, uh, in which you had Greg Hands, uh, the chairman of the Conservative Party, posting enthusiastically about the Conservatives not building new homes in a MP's WhatsApp group. And you had some Conservative MPs welcoming that. And other conservative MPs absolutely tearing into him, and also what you don't have with this row as you do have with other internal Conservative rows is clear ideological factions. You know, on some rows you go, okay, well, you know, people who support Boris Johnson have decided to sock it to Rishi Sunak over Brexit, or people who support Liz Truss have decided that wind farms is their moment to have a go at Rishi Sunak. This one cuts across different alliances and different disputes in the conservative party um and i think it's hard to know what the conservative party will do my hunch is that they stick with the the current approach uh of of you know not really building uh basically being nimby's until the next election because that's what their electoral coalition demands but should they find a way to win the next election then i think you know the the drive for growth the need for economic growth um would demand that they would have to switch quite rapidly into a much more pro-House building posture.
1: OK, let's uh, bring in now Daisy Cooper, Deputy Leader of the Liberal Democrats. Hi, Daisy.
0: Hello
1: there. Um, are, uh, rank for me, how does the big clock times up for Rishi Sunak compare to the blue wall, the blue door uh, and all the other stunts? Is it, is it is it up there with some of the best of Ed Davies stunts?
11: I think most people have got their own favourite uh, Lib Dem stunt. <laughs> I have to say, I'm a big fan of the uh, tractor going into the hay bales, but that's because I'm a Suffolk girl originally. So uh, <laughs> I,
1: think,
11: I think the cook is pretty good.
1: So um, how, how good is this result uh, for you? Um, the Lib Dems seem to be coming back in some of the places where you, you used to be strong, uh, but the last five, ten years haven't been so good.
11: Well, I mean, as Ed Davey himself said this morning, this is a groundbreaking set of results for us. And I do think that if you look at places like Windsor and Maidenhead, where we've now taken control of the council, we've exceeded even our own expectations. Uh, so this is clearly a very good set of results for us. And um, I think they show that uh, we're on course to oust the number of conser- Conservative MPs at the next general election.
1: Um, and where do you stand on the question of house building? What's the Lib Dem uh, policy? Would you set a target for building more houses?
11: So I really hope very much that we do have a target for building social homes. Um, but the problem we've got with the Conservatives' uh, planning system is it's completely broken. It's a developer-led planning system, not a community-led planning system and what we find is that you have these big developers and they choose where they want to build and what kind of houses they want to build and how much money they're going to make from it and they don't come with the kind of facilities or services or infrastructure that local communities either need or want and what we're seeing with the conservatives approach is that their top down housing targets don't solve the housing crisis and at the same time they also destroy our green belt so what we would like to see is a community led system where communities can decide where they want to have housing what facilities they need to have to come with it and you have a bottom-up approach and we've seen this happen in some parts of the country and where that does happen where you get community buy-in you get much better results
1: isn't the risk that existing communities don't want more houses near them and that's where we end up in a position where we don't build enough houses
11: Do you know, I don't accept that. I think what you see around the country is uh, communities really engage with things like neighborhood plans. And when you say to a local community, this is what our housing need is in the area. These are the kinds of houses that we need, not the kind of houses that developers want to build, but these are the kinds of houses that we need. These are the kind of facilities we need. Local communities do develop these uh, neighborhood plans and often they're put to referendum and they win with absolutely stonkingly large uh, majorities. So when you engage a community in in that process, I think, People are way more accepting of having housing don't forget you know a lot of um, older people in particular who maybe own their own homes they've got children they've got grandchildren they know that they're struggling to get on the housing ladder so i think it's a really artificial and damaging false argument to say that some people are for housing and against housing people aren't for or against housing i think people are for or against the right kind of housing in the right kind of place with the right kind of infrastructure
1: Depending on who you ask, uh, Labour on course for uh, Keir Starmer to become Prime Minister, but not necessarily get a majority. What cabinet job would you like in a coalition?
11: Yeah. Well, right now, I'm Deputy Leader of the Liberal Democrats, uh, MP for St Albans, and I love be- doing absolutely both. Uh, I'm also a health and social care spokesperson and love having that brief because it's something that I care about really, really deeply, both because, you know, my own experience uh, as being a hospital patient, but also because of how critical our health services are in this country. Uh, the fact of the matter is that between now and the next polling day, which could well be a uh, general election polling day, uh, I will be focused completely on trying to get more and more Liberal Democrats. MPs elected.
1: And if Keir Starmer does come to you and says, let's do a deal, would you take a job in a cabinet?
11: You know what, I'm really not thinking about that at all at the moment. The fact of the matter is that the next general election could be quite a few months off. It could be in 12 months' time, possibly 15, but it could come within the next 12 months. Um, We want to be focused exclusively on getting more Liberal Democrat MPs elected. And every time I get invited to come on your show or anybody else's, I'm going to focus on talking about what we stand for and why people should be voting for the Liberal Democrats.
1: Daisy Cooper, really good to hear from you. Daisy Cooper, uh, Deputy Leader of uh, the Lib Dems. What do you make of all of that then, Lara? Who's Who's the happiest this morning?
7: Daisy Cooper sounds pretty happy, doesn't she? <laughs> uh, Yeah, I think it sounds like, you know, Daisy Cooper's pretty happy. We haven't heard anything out of the uh, ordinary from what we would expect from uh, from these as the results go in. But I think we're thinking really quick state of play, yeah. if we may. Yeah. Uh, we've had a couple of notable uh, Labour holds in, uh, in Barnsley, crucially. Uh- <laughs> Labour hold just so that you could play that uh, and in blackburn and Darwin as well so two of those more northern seats that labor uh, are comfortable with uh, holding uh, the labor of win now 125 uh, councillors so c- considering we heard from labor that around 400 would be somewhat of a win looks like uh, even if we could exceed conservative losses we probably are likely to be uh, if if we consider proportionally to how we are now on track to where about labor were hoping to be with that so i think that will be one of the interesting things to look throughout the day but as i say we're in a bit of a holding pattern as we await some of the, those more bellwether seats that will be coming in around lunchtime and thereafter
1: one thing finally henry Zephyr, we haven't really talked about is ukip reform (laughs) brexit party um sorry does that that happen every time i say brexit party (laughs) um (laughs) was that you henry sorry i'm standing near big ben oh it's fine it's very good um uh they appear to not be having any great impact on 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 (laughs) on british politics yeah, which, which is,
8: does make a huge change from, from you know, basically ev- every election of this Conservative period. I mean, I think that's changed the dynamic in Westminster slightly, because it reassures uh, some, you know, Conservative MPs who perhaps might want Rishi Sunak to move in a more right-wing direction that actually there isn't this great threat to their right that they need to, you know, that they need to guard against losing votes to. You know, on the other hand, uh, what we might be seeing tonight, as you mentioned earlier, is that some of those voters who went to UKIP or the Brexit party from Labour uh, in 2015, if not 2017, 2019, might be going straight back to Labour rather than via the Conservatives. And, and that's not great for Rishi Sunak. And it, it maybe just also speaks to the diminishing salience of Brexit mm. as an electoral issue for the first
6: time in seven years. Yeah, and certainly the Lib Dems don't want to talk about that. Rob Hayward, your final thought? My final thoughts is that Labour and the Lib Dems have had a a good time so far. They're going to continue to do so uh, over the next few hours. But the results do not act as a clear pointer to to a general election, which is still probably 16, 18 months away. Uh, And the figures, when analysed, uh, indicates that the Labour Party as you just implied will need more than just the votes they've got today to be able to form a majority government
1: and that's all we've got time for on today's episode of the podcast don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes let me know what you think drop me an email matt at radio. but for now for me Matt Charlie, it's goodbye